Hi, I'm Blair Crawford, and I am the Vice President of National Accounts and Marketing at Vertical Bridge. I hate to say this, but I don't think it's going to be a great year for our industry. I think that the C-band option has to see its way through. I'm Katherine Speglia, and this is Well Technically, the tech podcast where women do the explaining. Hi, Blair. Welcome. Thanks for being here. Thank you for having me. Today's discussion covers a few different topics, including the challenges of increasing network capacity, Dish's 5G rollout strategy, as well as the recent C-band auction. And we will get to all of that. But first, what is an example of a time in which being a woman has empowered you? I think I would have to say that I've been empowered throughout my entire career in the wireless industry. But if I had to pick a defining moment, I think I probably would go back to the very early days when I first started in the industry. And it was the early 2000s. I was living in San Diego, had just graduated from university there where, you know, my college from women to men ratio was three to one. So I was used to being around a lot of women. And I distinctly remember entering one of my first wireless networking events and walking into the room and quickly looking around and realizing, wow, there's not a lot of women in this industry. And I kept thinking as a night went on or as future events went on with months that followed that I would see more and more women. So I think very early on, I was empowered. I felt grateful to be amongst a small group of women at that time in the industry. And I think it definitely drove a lot of my ambition, you know, and desire to do the best I could in the industry. And then as time went on and my role progressed, I was able to travel throughout the U.S. And I was working for a telecom staffing company that supported the wireless industry with an array of customers from, you know, carriers, OEMs to GCs, towers, you know, companies, et cetera. So I was able to see women in a multitude of roles across different companies. And I found them extremely inspiring. And I was empowered by many of them because, you know, just through conversation, I found myself in many, many informal mentoring situations and then some formal. And these women, I think, helped develop my career, you know, make, you know, allowed my career to progress. And I think just being a female female in this industry and watching the number of women grow, um, especially with younger women entering the career, you know, has empowered me to give back to these women, to mentor them and support them, because I have been so grateful with so many inspiring women over my career. You know, what you said about how you noticed immediately that you were one of the few women. I think that those people who, when they like, who often find themselves to be in the majority would be pretty shocked to learn how immediate the realization is when you are one of a few category of people in a room. Like it's instantaneous. It's very bizarre. It is. And and I think, unfortunately, due to COVID right now, right, we don't have the networking events like we used to in our industry. But 
I do, at least for myself, um, feel a challenge and a need that when you do see that and you see younger women or new women entering into our industry to take that time to walk up to them, to introduce yourself and remember that we were all in that same situation at some point in time. All right, Blair, let's get into some of the topics I mentioned earlier. So what sort of challenges do 5G networks present from a network infrastructure perspective? Well, I think first and foremost, 5G, just like any other technology deployments, you know, they're costly. It's extremely expensive to build out a network. Um, When we get into infrastructure, right, you have to deal with regulatory hurdles, you know, such as zoning, permitting challenges, you know, and those can cause tremendous delays. Um, And I think while we take a look at, you know, the higher spectrum bands can carry far more capacity and deliver ultra fast speeds you know, it is more limited in range. So that will require more infrastructure, you know, which means more tower and additional equipment. I would also add that I think as we see 5G develop, you know, the networks are becoming more multi-banded, right? So we're using spectrum across a wide variety, you know, of bands. So the equipment's evolving. There's just lots of different types of spectrum. And then if we took, take a look at edge, you know, carriers moving from a centralized core to edge computing presents challenges, you know, from an infrastructure and real estate standpoint, because carriers now are required to go out and, you know, seek additional real estate. And I think lastly, I would add um, that there's a lot of work that the carriers have to do to decipher how they're going to monetize, you know, their investment. What does their ROI look like um, from 5G? And how is Vertical Bridge helping carriers address some of these challenges? So Vertical Bridge, we have partnered um, with all the carriers and, you know, we are focused on dedicated to providing fast, friendly and flexible service. And what I mean by that is fast. Um, We have a dedicated team of people who are strictly focused on that account, right? They take a look at how can we utilize our portfolio of sites to assist the carriers achieve their network capacity goals. So whether that's leasing space on our existing assets or building new towers to meet the carrier's needs. And I would say just like the carriers have different spectrum, we have a multitude of assets. So we have over 307,000 assets available for co-location that range from macro towers, utility, transmission towers, rooftops, convenience stores, you know, it goes on and on. So I think it's critical that we have a diverse asset base to go along with the diverse spectrum needs of the carriers. Um, And I would say we're friendly, right? And I think that is a key component to success when partnering with carriers is that we keep an open line of communication so that we can deal with whatever may come along. And for those of us that have been in the industry for quite some time, you know, changes are going to happen, right? It's evident. And I think, you know, having that ability to be open with our customers and move as they move is crucial. And then lastly, I would say flexible, right? At the end of the day, Vertical Bridge is a real estate company at heart. So if there's something that the carriers need that we don't have, you know, we will absolutely do that. An example of that is um, we developed as to suit data center locations, you know, for our customers, because we saw a need, we didn't have it, and we wanted to support the customers. 
Okay, great. And you mentioned that you work with all of the carriers, but I know that there's been some recent news around your work with DISH on their 5G rollout. What can you tell me about that partnership and about DISH's tower strategy more generally? Well, I can tell you we're extremely excited to partner with DISH. Um, you know, as we all know, building out a network from the ground up is extremely challenging. And we're, you know, very honored to be there every step of the way with DISH to help them achieve their goals. Um, you know, we definitely pride ourselves in our partnership with customers. And you'll see partnerships have a big keyword for Vertical Bridge. And so to that, we have dedicated teams. We have that for AT&T, Verizon, T-Mobile, and now with DISH. And I can tell you that our dedicated DISH account team prior to the deal being inked was working tirelessly to make sure that everything was lined up so that when we were told go, they could hit the ground running. So, you know, our teams work together with our customer, you know, to learn their systems, right? We've gone even as far as to report in their internal system. And I think what sets us apart is that we work hard to speak the carrier's language. We don't ask the carrier to speak our language, right? So it's all about understanding our customer, understanding their needs, and how we can partner with them you know, to achieve results. And I would say to add to that is we're growing extremely fast. In 2020 alone, Vertical Bridge added 1,300 own towers which means, you know, co-location opportunities. And when you look at DISH, you know, and their aggressive goals that they have, from a speed perspective, co-location is king. So we're definitely able to support DISH um, and their tower strategy by our pure portfolio alone. And then all the things that we go above and beyond with our dedicated account team to make sure that the partnership is as seamless as possible. My next question is somewhat inspired by the fact that I am in the middle of writing a report about the status of 5G. What would you say some of the biggest carrier 5G goals are in 2021? What is it that they're prioritizing this year? Honestly, I think it's very difficult to know what the carrier 5G goals will be in 2021. And the reason why I say that, you know, is purely based on the recent C-band auction, right? It was huge, um, greater, I think, than many thought. And I think it's really going to affect each carrier differently. And I hate to say this, but I don't think it's going to be a great year for our industry. I think that the C-band auction has to see its way through and, you know, they've got to plan accordingly, right? They've got to figure out their balance sheet. And I think it's very safe to assume that budgets will be cut in 2021. You know, what does that look like? We're not sure, um, but we, we've got to see this through. From a prioritization standpoint, I think, you know, again, it's hard to say, but one could assume that it's to continue a successful rollout of 5G across the country, you know, and perhaps focusing on deploying 5G where the carriers may need relief you know, from either capacity perspective, you know, and or to increase data rates. So I think overall, to sum it up, 2021, it's going to be a much different year than perhaps we originally expected. 
And I think time will tell. We've got to see how the C-band auction plays out um, and what this means for each carrier going forward. Well, thank you for providing the perfect segue for me to my my next question. (laughs) Uh, My last few questions are all about the C-band auction, which, as you mentioned, closed with, I think, $81 billion in spending, which was, you know, tremendous. Why was this auction so popular? I think the auction was so popular for a couple of reasons, right? Um, First and foremost is scarcity, right? It's become almost like beachfront real estate for broadband as you integrate 5G and beyond. So it's getting more and more difficult to see large chunks of spectrum, you know, that FCC could make available. And I think that's really important. I would say, secondly, it allows for higher capacity and higher data rates. Um, Thirdly, it's an attractive band. It's a large chunk of spectrum. Um, To add to that, you know, number four, it's being being deployed worldwide. And then lastly, 5G expectations. You know, they're extremely bullish. And in order to meet those demands, the carriers need spectrum. And if a cable company bought a significant amount of C-band, what would that mean for the wireless landscape? So I think probably would all agree that cable companies have been feeling pressure for quite some time with wireless, right? You know, they've seen Verizon, they've witnessed T-Mobile serving 10 million homes from their 5G network to broadband access. And that's a direct threat to the cable companies. Um, From a spectrum standpoint, cable companies have owned spectrum for decades. They've been around it. They know it. Um, but you have that potential threat to the last mile access into homes via wireless. And I think that's something that the cable companies, you know, are, are worried about. Um, but I also think if we take a look at if a cable company spent money on C-band, you know, one could speculate that they may not be using it to build out a full network, right? And coming in and disrupting the wireless landscape. You know, the spectrum that they purchased could likely be used to offload traffic onto their own antennas, right? Meaning augmenting their network, or perhaps, you know, they're thinking about a partial network. Um, But either way, I think it's critical to remember that one of the largest expenses that cable companies have is running cable to every single household. So having Spectrum could allow them to deliver content wirelessly, you know, or develop new applications. So I think, obviously, mobility is always an option. Well, Blair, those were all of my questions. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Well, Technically is an Arden Media production. For advertising inquiries, contact Danny Miller at dmiller at ardenmedia.com. Today's show was produced and edited by me, Catherine Speglia.